Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our Truth Partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a Truth Partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. So Proverbs chapter 22, verse six. Why don't you go ahead and read that for us? This will be kind of our foundational, very famous passage of scripture. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way that they should go, that when they're old, they will not depart. So it says something about the beginning. It says something about the end. It doesn't say anything about the middle. Anybody know about the messy middle? So we're going to train them up in the way they should go, that when they're old, so we're going to have them when they're little, and then when they're old. See, a lot of us, how many of you messed up in the messy middle? And now you're here. You came back to the Lord after the messy middle, and now you're back because it was invested into you as a child. How many of you grew up going to Sunday school? Raise your hand. Look at all the hands. My Lord. And you guys remember the felt boards? Come on. Here's the little Jonah and the whale. Here's the little whale. Here's the little. Do you guys remember this? Felt boards. I mean, but, but Sunday school teachers invested into us and taught us about the word of God, and now we're back saying, here I am. So train up a child in the way they should go. And how will you know which way they go if you don't go to God and say, God, show me mm-hmm. in a vision or a dream the way my kids should go? You know, a lot of us just say, hey, I'm just gonna invest in you the best I can. You know, you can be whatever you want, do whatever you want, but I don't know what you're supposed to be. I don't know what you're supposed to do. How are you gonna train them and lead them in the way they should go if you don't get a vision from God about the way they should go? We're going to leave it up to a guidance counselor? Come on. How about, how, about, how about it's God showed me in a dream or a vision, you doing this? You know, God showed us when you were little, your, your, your father and I, your mother and I prayed and, and fasted and sought God. Come on, after 21 days of prayer and fasting, right? God, give us a vision for our kids so we'll know which way they should go to steer them, to lead them, to guide them, and to direct them, and not just let the whims of society steer them. Because if you leave it up to the whims of society, they're they're gonna be confused as to what gender they are. You better get involved and invested into what God has shown you about your children. Can I get a good amen about that? And I would say, you know, coming off the fast, I really feel like God spoke to me a lot, a lot, because one of the things we were praying for was our children. And is how long are you, have you been praying? Do you pray every day for your kids? Right. Not just because they're in a situation or a challenge, but on the good days. Yes. Are you praying for them, for their future, for what they're going to walk through, for what they're going to face? Because we can't keep them in a bubble. I know we, people think, think we keep our kids in a bubble, but we can't keep them in a bubble. They're going to have to deal with real-life situations, and are you praying for them that the Holy Spirit is going to be with them when they have to make those decisions?
That's right, and you cannot protect your children from their testimony. No. They're, they're going to walk through challenges. They're going to walk through difficulties. And prayers have no expiration date. We pray for our kids' spouses. That's right. We pray for their spouses. Every day. Every day. God, protect them. Keep Don't them. let them make stupid decisions. Don't let them get all messed up. And this, God, protect them. Watch over their spouse. Prayers have no expiration dates. Come on, parents. Start praying over them. God, bless them in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s. God, do this. Reveal this to them. And call your children's name out in prayer. You know why you're here today? You're here today because somebody prayed for you. I know you think you're here just because you know. You're here because somebody prayed for you. Cousin Isabel, big mama. Some, somebody was praying for you, and that's why you're here today. Amen? Amen. And so in this book, we're not going to... We're not obviously going to get through everything in this, and we're not going to go in chronological order, but in this book, what are, just go ahead and read uh, what the chapter titles are uh, of part one and part two. Uh, wisdom and understanding, a healthy home, effective parenting, things that divide an atmosphere of peace, yes. which we all need in our homes, honor and grace, which we also need yeah. very desperately, why godly discipline, correcting our kids, the spoken word. Those defiant years and strong in the storm. Strong in the storm. And so you can, those are just the titles of the chapters that you can start to dive into and start getting it down in your heart and down in your spirit. And then those of you that want to go further, uh, you can go on and pick up the study guide. And Joanne and I are going to be doing some parenting master classes and make that stuff available to you as we move forward with it. But this is the, the titles, and we're going to dive into it. I'm excited. And so that's our, our premise for today, Proverbs 22 and 6, to train up a child in the way they should go, that when they're old, they will not depart. And so if you have kids at home, if you wish you had kids at home or you have kids at home that you wish would leave home, this series is for you. You know, when we the best way to get your kids out of the house, somebody's like, how do I get my kids out of the house? I'm like, just walk around the house naked. They'll leave today. They'll be like, I can't live here any longer. <laughs> you know, when we first started talking about doing this parenting um, series and the book, I said to him, I was like, babe, we're not done yet. Like, I know we have eight kids, but they're not done, like, growing. We're not through. So I don't want to say something to people are like, oh, look at their kid. But you know what? We don't know everything, but we want to invest into everybody what we have learned right. from other people. Because we are raising eight children. We hope we're doing it the best way we we're can. We're praying. But we're not perfect, and our kids are not perfect. And please don't put that demand on my kids to be perfect because they're not. And I don't want them to have that stress. Or us. Or us. To have yeah. that. We're not perfect. No, we're not. You know, but 17 years of parenting, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and we were just shocked the other day. I mean, Alexander's shaving now. It's like, what is happening? Right? And... I can't believe we have a 17 I know. And uh, so we're going to tell you everything we know. It's not everything there is to know. We're constantly learning as well. Right. We're going to tell you everything that we've learned, but it's not everything that you need to learn. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we're going to empty our cup, but just because we emptied our cup doesn't mean it filled yours. Okay. And I just want to be clear on that as we lay this series down. And uh, we don't have it all together. We're not perfect parents, but God's not called us to be, God's not called you or us to be perfect. He has called us to be present. Mm-hmm. Come on, can I get an amen about that? Yeah. He's called us to be present. You don't have to be a perfect parent, but you can be a present parent. That's right. 
And I don't mean just being in the room. Well, I'm not an absentee father. You don't have to leave home to be absent. You can be in the living room and be absent. One of the things that I would say, uh, being a dad now, you know, having two-year-olds and being 44, which is different from being in my 20s, is when I was in my 20s and the, and the, the boys were small, I was there, but I wasn't there. I was in the room, but I wasn't there mentally. I, I was there because my mind was in the next meeting. My mind was in the next thing. And even though I, I, I was at the birthday party, but I was not at the birthday party. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our Truth Partners. If you're interested in being a Truth Partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select Truth Partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you. It's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the word. I was at the dining room table, but I was not at the dining room table. And I think one of the big things that I've learned in 17 years of parenting is be in the moment and how fast those moments leave. Hear me, parents, the days are long, but the years are short. That's right. The years are short. And before you know it, it's like, oh my gosh, they're shaving. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. they're driving. Oh my gosh, what happened? And now there's emotions and feelings mm -hmm. and I've got to communicate with words and not just because I said so. And so it is true. And, uh, and so one of the things that Joanna and I did early, and we still do, is we sought, out, we sought out families where we looked at their kids and we thought, I would love my kids to turn out like that. Mm -hmm. I would love my kids to be like that. Uh, I love the relationship that those parents have with their children. And we took those families out to dinner. We got to know those families. Mm -hmm. We spent time with them. We would go on vacation with them to learn, I mean, simple things that we picked up from, from, from families, like our kids, our kids to this day, if they want our attention, like if we're out in the lobby, uh, now the twins don't have it yet, we're working no. with them, the, no. little, the two-year-olds, but if we're out in the lobby and they want our attention, you'll watch, even our older teenagers will walk up to us and if they want her attention and she's talking to you in the lobby, they'll do this. They'll just come and put their hand on her shoulder. And what that means is I wanna speak to you but it's not mom, 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 mom. And you're like, what? Because they don't know you hear them. Just imagine eight of, eight of them. It's, it's, it's crazy. They don't know you hear them, but they know you feel that. And so when they were real little, when they want our attention, they would come put their hand on our thigh or whatever. They, and we would say, I would be talking to somebody and say, excuse me one moment. Yes, can I help you? Now, if, you know, if Alexander comes up to me and he puts his, or Nicholas, they put their hand on her shoulder and we don't acknowledge them after a couple of minutes, they'll just walk away because they know, I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> they usually are not asking us anything important, though. No. Well, so, they make it sound important, yeah. but it's not important. Yeah. And, and, but that's just a little technique that we picked up. Mm -hmm. We didn't invent that. We picked no. that up from hanging around older families that survived, you know? I mean, you gotta come up with these systems and techniques just to survive. Like, everybody's heard of my laser pointer. I'm responsible, you're visiting, I'm responsible to clean the house at night. So I, I, I pull out all, all the minions, have to come out, and I get all of them, and I'm like, we're cleaning the house, and I got a laser pointer. And, and I got a laser pointer because they can't see nothing. <laughs> they can't, you don't see that over there? What? Well, I don't see it, I don't see it. Blind, blind children. And so I got a laser pointer and I go, you see that over there? Move that over there. 
Hey, you see that right there? You see that right there? Move that over there. You see that piece of paper on the ground right there? Throw that away. You see that over there? So I could live and make it to 44. Go on Amazon. Some of y'all right now, laser pointer. <laughs> Save your life. Because they can't see it. They can't see it. How can you not see it? <laughs> they have selective sight. Selective sight, selective <laughs> hearing, all that kind of stuff, right? And so, um, you know, people ask us a lot of times about blended families, you know, single parents. And uh, we want to be quick to say that we're not the moral authority on how you should raise your kids. Uh, even more um, if your family looks very different from ours. Uh, and this is obviously our church has a lot of family dynamics. It's a very complex audience. And so I hope that there's something in here for every single person. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to go to God and say, God, speak to me about my children because you and you alone have the anointing to raise your child. That's right. Did you hear what I said? You and you alone. You have the anointing to teach your children. You have the anointing, and I know people fight me on this, but you have the anointing to educate your child. Mm -hmm. You have the grace to do it. You know, schools didn't, weren't started by the government. Churches started schools. Churches started schools. And I know that we live in a world today where people want to outsource everything when it comes to parenting. Oh, you teach them how to do sports. You teach them math. You teach them how to read. They bring them to church because they want us to teach them stuff about the Bible. You guys teach them how to pray. And then we get frustrated at those coaches if our kids don't do it right. It's like we have the anointing to teach your child. You can teach your child. Everybody say that. Say, I can teach my child. Everybody say, I have the anointing to raise my child. And so stop outsourcing all this parenting and start taking the responsibility. On the back of this book, you'll see it right here, and this is so true. Caution, this book is not for lazy parents. It's not for lazy parents. We, we've got to step up to the plate and raise the children that God gave us and take responsibility for the children that God gave us. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so we have a, and I think you should speak to this too, but we have a a marriage first home, not a kid's first home. That's right. Now, we didn't have this in the beginning. So in the beginning, I put the kids before him, before you, in a lot of ways, like for years. Until so he came to me and says, I, you need to, what did you say? You need to love me like you love Alexander? And I was like. I said, love me, I said, love, love me like you love your sons. Yes. And it really hit me. And I went to God and I was like, I'm really putting the children, which a lot of moms end up doing. We put the kids before our spouse. And it just can't be like that. Like, this has to be like, we have to be like one. Yes. And then they are. They'll they try are, to divide you. They will. They will. They will. Liliana does a really good job at Th it right they now. They will try and divide you. <laughs> They'll make up stuff. Uh-huh. Nicholas would make up stuff. He's like, when are we going bowling? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, you said we were going to go bowling. Or mom said we were going to go bowling. Mom I said wish we were I never go said bowling. it. And I'm like, when did she say that? I don't know. She said we were going to go. We were going to go to this thing. <laughs> and then she'd go to, he'd go to you and say, Dad said we were going to go to mm -hmm. this thing. Mm -hmm. Nobody taught them this. Nope. Even the twins are doing it now. Oh, yeah. Oh, they'll really try to divide If I me. say no, they go to him. And he's like, did mommy say yes? And they're like, mm -hmm. You're about ice cream. They lie, wicked, little tiny little <laughs> things like that. They got to get saved because the Bible says they are by nature the children of wrath and disobedience. And like these little kids, cute, little, will lie to you. Did you yes. eat the cookie? Nope. 
and the little crumbs. Little chocolate. Yep. They'll be in the kitchen running through bags because they don't know sound travels. And like we can't hear them. And I would say having kids also, you know, it does bring a different dynamic to your marriage. So if you're united front, you have that conversation before or even if you have kids now and you're in that situation, have the conversation of how are we going to parent? Let's talk about how we parent. Because I feel like sometimes in marriages, you have a thing that you want to do and he has a thing he wants to do and then you're not together and the kids can totally see it and they play that. So if you come together as a united front where the marriage is first, like mm -hmm. we are together first and we are parenting you guys and we're raising you up like this. You're not going to convince me that what your dad is saying is not right. Right. It's we are united. We, are, we, come, we, we stand united. You know, and uh, I never tear her down in front of the children. She never tears me down mm -hmm. in front of the children. I don't talk about, you know, oh, I don't dislike this about your mother. I can't believe your mother this, your, your mother that. And, and same with me. You have to be united front. Yep. And you've got to be in unity and make... Uh, your marriage, the, the priority, because the kids are the fruit of the marriage. They're the fruit of the marriage. You know, I sat all the kids down and I told them, look, I love you, but your mother is the only one of you I chose. <laughs> I didn't pick any of you. I chose her, mm -hmm. right? God chose you. Right? But, but your mother is the only one I chose. Amen? Amen. Even if you're dead wrong, I still won't say it in front of the kids. Right, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. And you, have to, and you have to figure it out. You have to talk about how we're going to parent. How are we going to handle intimacy with all the kids? Because kids stands for keeping intimacy at a distance successfully. <laughs> That's what kids stands for. And so you're like, how are we going to handle you know, intimacy you know, with, with, with these children because they're, they're like professionals mm -hmm. at keeping you away, you know, putting their fingers under the door. You know, I think they're like, we only have enough toys to go around. <laughs> you know, we've got to distract them. You take them from eight to noon. I'll handle the night shift, but, but we've got to keep these two apart. I think they strategize about it. <laughs> like baby boss. Baby boss. But this book called Raising Parents, I think we, we want to be really intentional with this title because everything we're talking about today is for the future. Like obeying, I think is something uh, that, that we learned early on that it's not okay for our kids to obey 70% of the time. That's right. It's not okay for them to obey 80% of the time. of the time. Because that's still disobedience. It's still disobedience. And the challenge with that is when you let kids obey half the time, 70% of the time, they become adults that do, at their job, they do 70% of the job. When, when they get married, they're faithful 80% of the time. Mm -hmm. See, that 20% doesn't seem like a big deal when they're little, 
but you're raising a parent. You're raising, a, you're raising an employer. You're raising an employee. You're raising a husband. You're raising a wife. And so obedience matters way down the road. It's like, it's like if you're, you're starting a journey and you're, you're only off by one or two degrees. But as, as those years tick on, you're, you're now hundreds of miles away from where you need to be. And so that 20, 30%, that 40% that they're not obeying when they're little because they didn't learn to obey becomes a huge problem now when they're married. It becomes a huge problem now when they're working for a company. Well, I show, I show up, I show up on, on time, you know, half the time, and that's why we're firing you. Because you show up on time half the time. Because every time we ask you to do your job, you do 70% of it. Well, well, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm faithful to my spouse most of the time. No, it, most of the time doesn't work. 70% doesn't work as a, as a husband. I don't come home 70% of the nights I'm married or 80% of the night. It's, it's 100%. 100%. She knows where I'm at all the time. Joanne can look at my phone all the time. She can see anything all the time, 100%, not 70%, not 60%. So obedience becomes very important when they're little. Oh, it's quiet. And don't lower the standard. Don't lower the standard. It's kind of like when you have a basketball hoop and it's like, well, this is the standard, but I can't dunk. So let me lower the standard to accommodate where I'm at rather than keeping the standard and make, let me grow to the standard. See, we've got to keep the standard where God set it. That's right. And if we set it, that's it. There's no changing about it. If I told those kids, when I see you, you're in trouble, and I don't care if I've been gone a week, when I see them, they're in trouble. There is no, well, I changed my mind about it. There is no threats. Mm-mm. If dad said it, that's it. If I said we're going to do this, then we're going to do it. And, and, and same with the good stuff. I don't say we're going to do the good stuff and then change my mind. And, you, and they'll hold you to it. Yeah, they remember. They'll, they remember, right? And so if we set it, then that's it. You've got to train them up socially. Train your children up socially. Look, look. when people talk to you, you, you respond. Okay? Like, you don't. And then parents go, oh, they're just shy. They're shy. Don't speak shyness over your child. Mm -hmm. Don't prophesy that over them. Don't lower the standard because you're not parenting. Okay? Don't lower the standard to to, to their natural way. Okay? Say, you're bold. You are courageous. When people talk to you, talk back. Look Look up at them. Look up. Look up. Shake. Put your hand out. Shake their hand. You're somebody. You're somebody. I, and I, I do it all the time. Kids will come up to me and, and, and I'll, I'll shake their hand. Look at me. You're somebody. Look at me. Look at me in my face. You, you are somebody. Look at me. You're, you're not a nobody. And you have to teach them that. Don't speak shyness over them because shyness can be a curse. I'm not saying you're cursing your kid. I'm saying it can be a curse that robs them of their opportunities and possibilities. There's not a parent in this room that doesn't want their child to be bold. 
And confident. And confident. It builds their confidence when you yes. do that too. And you have to train that. Because then when they're an adult, they're, they don't speak up for themselves. They don't, they don't, you, have to, you have to teach them socially. You have to challenge them. Your wisdom comes from what you know. And you're only as good as your belief. So your, your, your heart has to be a warehouse of godly values that you have to invest into your children to put these godly values down into them and speak it into them that when they get into situations and challenges, they have a reservoir or a warehouse of the word of God that they can draw from. Praise the Lord. I mean, just even being in God's house, look at the stats. You can Google it. There's all kinds of stats about the benefits of just being in God's house. Stay-at-home parents do not produce church-going kids. And, and typically, whatever level you're at in your faithfulness, kids, kids tend to want to, the second generation tends to want to do less. And so we've got to step up in our parenting and put the word of God down in because one day you will not be there, but the Holy Spirit will be there to lead them and guide them and to direct them. Amen? And I would even, I mean, I'm going to take it a little step further, and I apologize if this comes across, you know, bold, but even being planted in a church, it doesn't have to be this church. It could be, you know, whatever church you guys decide, but be planted, planted. because your children watch you uproot and move, uproot yes. and move. And that is the same way that they're going to treat God. I tell they're people, watching everything that you do. They, they're watching. And children are terrible at doing what you ask them to do. They're the worst at it. Didn't I tell you? Mm-hmm. How many times do I have to tell you? If I have to tell you one more time, didn't your mother tell you? They're awful at it, but they're amazing at doing what they see you do. They will do what they see, what they see you do without you asking. Mm-hmm. And be planted. I told a family, they were telling us they were leaving last year, and I said, I said, where are you going? They told me where they're going. I said, my one request is that you stay there. Just stay there. Because you stay in there, even if there's gonna be things about that other church you don't like, but there's something that you teach your children about faithfulness. There's something you teach your children about weathering storms, weathering things you don't like. Everything, it's not always gonna be great. Everything's not always gonna be great. It's like even with sports, because some of our kids will play sports, and we'll watch, we'll watch parents lose their mind over a referee at this little, I don't know what they call it, game, and parents are losing their mind. They're cursing. They're angry. I can't believe that, that ref made that call. I said, look. Well, I didn't say it. I didn't actually say this. <laughs> I said it to her. I said. Because you probably would have gotten a fight. Yeah. I wanted to say it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a pastor, and I got to make sure. But, but there's something even if, the, even if the referee made a bad call, which he will, there's something to teach your children about yes. life is going to make unfair calls. Not everybody's going to like you. Yes, life is going to make bad calls. You're going to be at work, and, and you're going to be blamed for something you didn't do. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to lose a job that you shouldn't have lost. You're, you're going to go through situations that were not fair, where you were actually right, and the situation was wrong, but you got blamed. Like, it's going to happen. Teach them how to handle those moments. 
And you don't handle those moments with getting mad and throwing stuff and cursing. That's not how you handle it. Because then when their wife makes a bad call, that's how they're going to handle it at home. You're raising a parent. You're, 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 this is not just a little football game. It's not just how to play football. It's how to respond when life doesn't give you the call you thought you deserved. And when life is unjust. Life is unjust. That's why we worship a God, because God is just. We don't worship life because life is not fair. We worship God because God is just. And what are we teaching our children when they face unjust moments? When there's unjust moments as a nation, when there's unjust moments in sports, when there's unjust moments in America, like how are you handling it? Let's talk about that. Yeah, that was an unfair call. We were clearly right. You know, the Bible says you are considered favorable when you endure unjust treatment. That means, hey, son, I know you just got a call that was unjust, but what that does mean is God just put favor on your life. That's right. Your whole team just got favor because you were dealt with unjustly. Rather than let's go into a cursing fit and teaching that to our children. Praise always, the Lord. And always putting the blame on other people instead of realizing that we maybe maybe this is a coaching, you know, point that we need to learn from. Like maybe we need to grow in this area. Right. Everybody's not always against you, but maybe you need to take that moment and use it as God, are you showing me something in me? Yeah, well, I like what sports teaches them. Okay, I like what sports teaches them too, but are we letting the crowd teach the kids in this moment or are you gonna teach the kids in the moment? That's what I'm saying. Like, you, you can't let society teach your child. You because you, society is gonna go that way. You, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to bring it back to the word of God, even when it comes to the why. Why? Why why? How many parents get asked why? Here's our take on why. Getting to know the why is a privilege. It's not a right. And you don't get to know the why unless you have a good attitude. So if you don't have a good attitude, I need you to, you're not going to that party. Why? Well, if you take the, if you take the mindset with me that you're not gonna obey unless you know the why, then you don't get the why. You get because I said so. You get because it's the golden rule. I have the goal, <laughs> which means I make the rules. So if, if you're gonna have a bad attitude or you're not going to obey unless you agree with the why, you don't get the why. You only get the why when you have a good attitude and you obey. So if you have a good attitude and you obey, then you get the why. But the why is not a right. The why is a privilege. That's right. Praise the Lord. And we practice the why. You don't get to demand it. And I think, too, when you face situations and challenges, even with your children, look, you got to look for the good. I think so many times parents are so good at elevating the bad, mm -hmm. elevating what's not done than what needs to be done. We, we tell our kids what not to do rather than, like a, a pro tip would be when you go to the store, pull, in the, pull up and say, last time we were in here, you guys were amazing. I want you to do that again. 
rather than, if you embarrass me in here. <laughs> rather than taking the small time mob boss approach. <laughs> you know, like, it would be awful if something was to happen to Mr. Teddy. And he was to just disappear. <laughs> We're like, we're running the mafia in here. <laughs> you know, I mean, but, it's, but, it's, but it is true. And, you know, legalism, you know, the, the wise will keep you out of legalism. Mm -hmm. But they're a privilege because we want our kids to have an understanding. That's one of the chapters of the book is an understanding. Uh, the Bible says in all that getting, get an understanding, right? But, but the best place to raise an atheist is a religious home. And we've said that many times. Let's run through the three questions that we should be asking. Why don't you hit them? What am I doing to advance my child's relationship with God? That's a big one. Huge. What are you doing? That's a question every parent in here needs to ask themselves. What are you doing to advance your child's relationship with God? Mm -hmm. What am I doing to influence my child's relationship with those outside the home? And what am I doing to enhance my child's relationship with me? Three big questions that I think we all need um, to ask ourselves. And uh, what am I doing to advance the relationship with God? Not just hoping it turns out. What am I doing intentionally to advance my relationship with my child? To grow my influence? And then what am I doing to advance the relationship with others? That I'm involved with who my kids hang around. I don't trust my kids to pick their friends. Mm -mm. Just see, I don't, I can't trust most of them to take a shower or brush their teeth properly, <laughs> you know? So like, they they'd be little, go get a shower, they come back and they're dry. <laughs> like your hair's not wet at all. Did you forget to wash your hair? Oh yeah. That's right. You know, for me, I would say a conviction that I had when it came to this, when I learned this a, a few years back, was how many, how, many, how many of you guys work on to-do lists? A lot of you, right? Because you're going to forget how to do things. But one thing that God showed me was, do you put on your to-do list to pray for your children, to pray for your spouse? Because it's something that has to be done daily, and we don't do it until we have a crisis. Right. And then we expect God to just, oh, show up. That's not how it works. It has to be a daily thing that you do because you're going to need it one day. Mm. And you need God to just keep them. And so I would, my challenge to you is put praying for my children on your to-do list every day. Pray for my spouse every day and see how things change. Give yourself a week or two and see how just, just the little change, you're gonna, you're gonna yeah. notice it. Prophesy over them. Because they need that. They need that from you as their parent, as their spiritual leader. That's right. Another thing we said is we didn't want our children to be, you know, experience rich, but relationship poor. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us, you know, grew up where we didn't have a lot of experiences. And so we wanna give our kids a lot of experiences and go places and spend money to do this. But at the end of the day, we didn't teach them the, the, the power of relationship, the power of relationship with family. I mean, we literally just spent the last couple of weeks doing nothing with, just with family, just being awesome. with family, being with grandparents, 
being together as a family, learning to communicate as a family, talking as a family, creating memories as a family, because those are the things they're going to remember when they get older. The things that they we think... fasted together We as fasted a family. together, did prayer walks together. The thing that... People don't grow up and go, oh, well, you know, I didn't get to do this one thing or go to this one game when I was a kid, or I didn't get to do this one little thing. Or, that's not the stuff that they remember. What they remember is you spending time with them. You, you having time with them. You, you, mom and dad always did this with me, that we'd always go out and do this together. That was, that was the priority. And sometimes I think we, we focus on giving them these experiences because we didn't get it. Like if you didn't go to Disney, you're like, we gotta go to Disney every year. We gotta do this, we gotta do this, we gotta do this. We went to grandmom's house when I grew up. Mm-hmm. That was it. We went to grandmom's house in the station wagon with the rear seat facing traffic. You're sitting back there going, is this safe? Is this, is this code, you know? But like, that was how we grew up. And, and it was the big deal was just to go to grandmom's house. And now I think so many times we're focused on giving them all these amazing experiences. And I'm, I'm not against experiences. We give our kids experiences. But, but we don't want to give them experiences at the, at the expense of them being relationship poor. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put 20 years into raising a child every day, and then that child calls me once a year. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong with that. How can I spend 20 years raising you every day for you to turn around and call me once a year? I've got to change the strategy That's right. on parenting. And I would say include your kids in your spiritual moments. There are times where you need to go pray by yourself and you need to spend time with God alone, but also include your kids too and let them see you doing it. Let them see you reading your Bible. Let them see you praying. Let them see you guys praying together. Liliana now wants to, can we go on a prayer walk today? Like, can we go on a prayer walk today? Like, she's asking us to do these moments with the Lord together as a family so that they, they, they develop that habit at a younger age. That's right. Yeah, I think it's so important that you work on having the influence with your child, you know? The quality of your relationship with your child will be determined, you know, by the weight of your influence, you know? What am I doing to influence my child's life? And that's one of the things I think is so important with our kids' ministry and our youth ministry is you, you know, when when your children hit puberty, statistically, you lose 80% of the influence. And it gets picked up by other friends or you know, if they're working coworkers or people like that. And if your child is not involved in our youth program and it's not being picked up by youth leaders, you know, people who can steer them and lead them and guide them, they can really go off track really quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's why you need to value more than ever, you know, the power that we have here on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock for our youth. How many of you value what we do here for teenagers, our junior high and senior high? It's so powerful. Yeah. And right now they're doing a series called Help I've Got Parents. Help I've Got Parents. <laughs> and and it's amazing. Hey, I've noticed a difference in, in our own children. Like I'm getting From a, watching that yeah. just because they were out of town, they were watching it. They're challenging them at the I got up the to, other day and they were cleaning the house yep. without me asking. And I was like, we need to watch this. I'm getting texts like how amazing of a mom I am. I, I'm, I'm like, telling I love you. This. I'm if you I'm telling you. <laughs> I was like, who spoke last Wednesday? Give them a raise. <laughs> you know, like, it was amazing because, because 
I say it all the time, but I'm dad. But when a youth leader says it, what, what happened there? It's the influence. It's, it's, it's just the influence. And that's why it's so important that you value the youth group and have your children in here. I think I, nope. you can do how, obviously do whatever you want to do, but I'm telling you. Raise your kids with a biblical, we got to go faster. Raise your kids with a biblical expectation. Do they love? Are they loving? Are they kind? Do they share? Share. You know? Like, we'll give one, one of them get a big bag of candy, and then another one will ask, and it's like, what? Why are you asking? It's like, what do you mean why are they asking? That's your sibling. Share. And when they're not kind or sharing or encouraging or graceful, challenge it. Don't ignore it because yes. you're just building that up in them. Challenge that. Say, you know, you shouldn't be like that. Would you want somebody to treat you like that? Would you want somebody to do that to you? Would you want somebody to say that about you? Or break it in half. They're eating something. Here's a nutty buddy. Break it in half. And then they break it in half and they give them. You take the little piece and they keep the big piece. It's like, well, hold on a second. Let's talk about that, you know. But 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 teaching them to share, I think, is so important. Yeah. You know, like in our kids, our kids are involved in in raising the, some of the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Like they've had, they have to learn to be patient. Yeah, you're not going to this because we have siblings. There's nothing like serving a sibling. Some of you were not raised to serve siblings. That's why you can't serve your siblings now. How can you have a sibling and not call them? How can you, I hope you feel convicted. That's the Mm -hmm. point. How can you have a brother and never call them? How can you have a sister and never call them? How can you have parents and never, never, never call them? And and you're sowing it. You're sowing. And, and, And you may have to look at, do I have a generational curse thing going on here? Because my grandparents don't talk to their siblings. My parents don't talk to their siblings. Now, I'm not talking to my siblings, and I'm going to pass this on. No, this ends with me. It ran in my family till it ran into me. Because there's not a parent in this room that doesn't want their children to be close. Come on, parents, don't leave me out there by myself. You want your children to be close to you. You know, do, do, are you teaching your children to find their treasure in people? Not making fun of people, but finding the treasure in other people. The Broses, we just made decisions. In the Broses' home, we're going to love people. We're going to love people. We're going to find the treasure in people. Not pointing out what's wrong with people. We're not going to walk into a restaurant and point out everything that's wrong with it. We're not going to walk into this situation and point out everything that's wrong with it. What can we do to show grace? How can we find the benefit and the treasure and the gold in people? Show your kids how to have conflict resolution. Your kids need to hear you say to your spouse, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Those words are so hard to say. They're so hard to say. Even and so kids. many people can't say it because it's like attacking their values. Like if for you to apologize to me, something's wrong. If for you to say you're sorry to me in front of the children makes you think less of you, there's something wrong. Yep. There's something broken. You're teaching the children that there is something that, that it tears them down to apologize. It makes you look like the bigger person when you apologize. Mm-hmm. If me and you get in a fight and you go, you know what, pastor, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. And I go, you bet I'm right. <laughs> Do you think I look like the bigger person? I, I look small. You look like the bigger person. But we wanna reap that from our children, but we don't, we don't sow it. 
We have to we have to model submission. Even apologizing to them when we're wrong, because we yes. parents, we're not perfect. Like we do get it wrong too. Yes, sit them but down and say, "I am sorry. I have totally made a mistake here. Mm-hmm. I have. Please forgive me, mm-hmm. and I will work hard to never do that again. I am so so sorry. Apologize to your spouse. Apologize to your children. Apologize to the Lord. Let your children hear you repent. Lord, I was wrong. Father, forgive me. I'm mad. See, these are all the things we want to reap from our kids, but we don't want to sow it. We've got to sow it. We've got to sow submission. We got to, you want your children to serve and volunteer, but they don't, they don't see you serve mm-hmm. and volunteer. You want your children to be generous. Do your children see you be generous? Show your children. Here's mom and dad tithing. Here's mom and dad giving. Here's mom and dad. Why you get up early on your day off and go serve? Because I love other people. I care about other people. Praise the Lord, you know, and, and, and I care about other people more than I just care about myself. A lot of people, when they come to church, they just think about themselves. People, people do this because they're, they were not raised properly. You got to realize you're raising a parent. We're at a restaurant. First of all, we don't let our kids take iPads. We don't take iPads to the restaurant, but nonetheless, if they're at a restaurant, they would never have their iPad at full volume at a restaurant. You know why? Because we teach our children there are other people here other than you. And just because you have the right to be here, your right should never infringe on somebody else's right to enjoy the same situation. Your right to be there does not give you the right to destroy other people's opportunity to enjoy the moment. Oh my God, you have to teach this to your children. You have to invest, because if you don't teach them, they're the kid now, they're the grown man who's on the airplane without headphones, with their phone all the way up watching a movie. Because they don't care about anybody around them. We care about people around us. I got stories I can't tell you. When, 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 we, go, when we go to dinner, I, see, this is practical stuff. I know we ain't, we ain't falling out in the Holy Ghost, but this is practical stuff, okay? When you go out to eat and you got on your creative church hat and you're with all your kids, you don't leave the table looking like a bunch of wild hyenas <laughs> from National Geographic came in here and ate at that table. And I have to say this because we go out with a lot of kids. Hey, there's food on the ground. Pick it up. Your crowns, papers. Pick up all this stuff. We're not leaving this table like, well, it's a server's job. I don't care if it's a server's job or not. You're not leaving this table like this. Stack the dishes. Put the silverware together. Put it, put it together. Clean it up. You don't leave it like that because we care about other people. There's other people here. Put the, sharp, put the shopping cart back in the rack. Well, it's somebody's job. It's somebody, I don't care. You, you still have had this conversation. <laughs> I don't care if it's somebody else's job or not. Put the cart back because we care about other people. Make their job easier for them. 
See, these are the things that, that, that people do it in church. Like, you bring a baby in here, the baby's going nuts. The usher's gotta say, hey, can you please take the baby? And then they get mad at us. They get mad at the church because the church said, hey, can you please, if you don't mind. Your right to be here should not destroy somebody else's right to enjoy the moment. It's like you're at a restaurant. How many of you have been to a restaurant and the kid, somebody's kid is going nuts? Come on, raise your hand if you've been there and you're like, they're running the whole, they're they're running the whole, you're trying to have a romantic dinner and this crazy kid, I'm sorry, this kid who was never parented (laughs) because they have crazy parents. They're not crazy either, babe. Well, you know what I mean. She's my filter. I walk off stage and she's like, it was really great. Just change all of this <laughs> for the next service. Don't say any of that. Let's just leave the uh, But you gotta teach you gotta out. teach this to your children. Because they because you have to let them know. I'm telling you, one of the greatest <laughs> blessings you can do with your children is let them realize they're not the only one here. You're not the we can go out to any restaurant with all of our kids. And they will all sit there. They'll clean up after themselves and do that. And let me tell you the testimony of that is other people, mm-hmm. older people especially, will walk up to you and say, your children are so well behaved. Yeah. Older people will walk up to you and say, first of all, because when we walk in with all our kids, people are like, oh, no. <laughs> That's exactly what we get everywhere. You should see us get on a plane. When we get on a plane... Everybody's like, please don't sit next to me, please don't sit next to me, please don't sit next to me. And then at the end, when they all leave, they were so well behaved, they were so well behaved, because we knew they thought the other. <laughs> we're that family that walks into anywhere, and they're like, oh, no. They start counting, but they can't, we can see them count, because they're like. Are they all yours? Yeah. Yes. Are they all, they're all yours? All. Naturally? Naturally. Nat- <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> No, we get, Target had a sale <laughs> going on. It was two for one. <laughs> but I'll, you can come play some for me. I'm out of time. But, but the, thing I, the thing I want to say is that I just bring that up because it, it has to handle atmospheres. Mm-hmm. Atmospheres are so important. I'll leave you with this thought. Atmospheres are so important. There's nothing like going out and, and some, somebody's kid is destroying an atmosphere. And... The same way a child can destroy an atmosphere at a restaurant, they can destroy an atmosphere in a home. You, you, you have to be intentional to set the atmosphere in your home. You have to be the Tony Robbins of your house, okay? You, you have to be the one who sets the atmosphere in the morning. You don't come down the stairs, oh, I got it, because you know what your, your teenagers do then? Mm-hmm. You gotta set, I walk into my kid's room, they would, they would tell you. They're, they're probably watching right now. And, and, I, and I, I start singing. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. And I like screaming at them, and they're just like, oh, Dad. I'm like, it's a great day. It's going to be amazing. You know, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will, and, and, I, and I'm, I am, I know I'm being ridiculous, 
and I'm acting a fool, but I am setting an atmosphere of joy. I'm setting an atmosphere of love. I'm setting an atmosphere of there is no self-consciousness here. Like, like this is a safe place. You have to set the atmosphere if you want love to grow, if you want peace to grow, if you want joy to grow. One of the rules in our home is you cannot, you're not allowed to be unhappy. I'm not saying that there's not a crisis or a situation and, and that you're not, that, that it's, it's unreasonable like to be sad or, or something. I'm not saying that. But just to be unhappy, to be unhappy. You're at the dining room table just, mm-hmm. what, what's wrong? Nothing. You're just moody? No, 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 no. no. You're, not, you're not allowed to just be unhappy because it destroys the atmosphere in this home. This is an atmosphere of joy here. Okay, we were just in a place last week where there's palm trees. And you know why palm trees don't grow in Minnesota? It's not the soil, it's not, it's not the seed itself, it's the atmosphere. The atmosphere here is not conducive to palm trees. So if you want a palm tree to grow, you gotta, you gotta move into a different atmosphere. Some of you, do not have an atmosphere in your home that allows joy to grow, that allows peace to exist, that allows love and just silliness and dancing and being silly. I I was in the room the other night and the kids had a mattress on the ground because we're staying, you know. (laughs) grandparents and stuff, so one of them, and I went there, Liliana wanted me to tuck her in, her and Victoria, so I go and tuck them in, and I tripped and I fell on the mattress. And I just fell, and when I fell, those two little girls laughed, <laughs> and laughed so hard they couldn't breathe. Watching me fall. But one, one of the things we wanna do is, we don't want the self-conscious, trying to be cool, I can't be silly, you're at home. We set an atmosphere for that. They, her, her and I will start hugging and kissing. Ooh, that's gross. <laughs> uh, but but when they love it. They love it because when, when they see mom and dad hug and kiss, it makes their world feel safe. Their world feels safe. Even if they, oh, that's disgusting. It makes their world feel safe. Their world doesn't feel safe when mom's over here, dad's over here. They never touch, they never kiss, they don't talk. Yeah. Set, set an atmosphere in your home of peace, of love. Being unhappy is not an option. Even, like, even if it's taking the trash out, take the trash out. <sighs> Listen to me. You, when we ask you to do things, this whole like unhappy thing is not gonna work, okay? You gotta challenge that as a parent because you're gonna, they're gonna grow up and they're gonna have a job. And, they're all, and then when they have to do things on their job that they don't want to do, guess, what, guess how they're going to act? They're going to be unhappy. I don't like to do that. Ugh, now I'm moody at work. Now I got an attitude at work. And employers hate that. The word, the word amateur comes from the word amour, which means to love. Amateurs only do what they love. 
But pros do the things they don't want to do. So at some point, when it comes to being pro at parenting, you got to do things you don't want to do. That's right. You don't get a day off from being mom, right? That's right. And I would say if you do see your kids in that sadness and unhappiness, I know that it's something that is um, pretty common with teenagers. I would take your child aside and pray for them. Because when they get in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. And so you need to take them into God's presence. Mm -hmm. Not just expect them to get on it by themselves. Take them there yes. on a daily basis until that breaks. Because being in a relationship with God does not bring unhappiness. It brings joy. It brings joy. It doesn't bring sadness. It doesn't bring depression. It brings joy. And, and teaching them that. They need you to guide them not just expect them to do it because they're not adults yet. Mm -hmm. You're teaching them something so that when they do become adults, they it's know so how good. to get in God's presence. Teach them how to get, yeah, teach them how to get in God's presence. <laughs> I had, I had one, of our, one of our kids was just, just unhappy for no reason. And I challenged, we were at the dinner table and it was, just, it was just ruining the atmosphere at the table. And I challenged it and and I just, you know, just down, just, you know, no reason. Sad. Just sad. And I just said, you know, this is like a demonic attack. Like, you're, you're, you're moody and you don't know why. You know, you're just like, and it wasn't like just that. It was just like, it had been a season of it. And I said, I said, look at my face. Look at me in my face. I said, do you think there's anything, do you see anything in this face that makes you think I would, I would ever let hell have you? Look at my face. Do you see anything in my face that makes you think I would ever let Satan have you? It's not happening. And, and I, I got all the kids up. All the kids got up. And I said, I want all of you to come around. And we started prophesying and praying over them. Tears started running. Yeah, started running down the face. And we, we, we eat with a lot of paper plates because we don't want to wash that many dishes. And there's a lot of paper plates and stuff. And at the end of that meal, all you saw on top of all these paper plates was just like dozens of snotty tissues. Am I right? All over it because all the kids, it just started a God moment and we started all prophesying and praying over each other and declaring the word of God over each other and speaking things over each other. They're all just weeping That's right. out of that moment. And I just want to tell you, your kids are so open for a prophetic word. And it wasn't just correcting them. It was prophesying what we want to see God do in their life. I would, I would tell you guys, your, your kids are hungry yes. to hear God speak through you. It will mean more to them than any gift you could ever buy is to hear the voice of God through their parent. Or any experience you can give them. I think our, With kids, God. I think our kids remember more of our God moments than they do like any vacations we've ever taken. Oh yeah, they'll you know, remember like, it. They remember those moments. Give your, give your kids the ministry of presence. Give them the gift of God's presence. And you gotta cultivate it in your home. I'll leave you with these last two verses. Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Everybody say that with me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then this one that God gave us during our fast, Jeremiah 31, 16. It says, thus saith the Lord, Refrain your voice from weeping. I just want to give you this verse because the children of Israel, 
the parents, their children had gotten put into slavery. They were in bondage. And maybe your, your child is grown or they're a teenager and it feels like they're in bondage. They've walked away from God. This verse is for you. It says, thus saith the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your works shall be rewarded. You know what that means? That means every time you brought them to church, every time you prayed with them, every time you prophesied with them, every time you sat down and spoke the word of God and it felt like this, because sometimes we do it and it's like, sometimes we have those great God moments like we just talked about. Other times it's not like that. It's not like that every time. Sometimes it's like quit farting. We're trying to pray. Okay, like I'm just being real with y'all. We have eight kids. Sometimes there's amazing God moments and people are weeping and then there's other times it's not like that, but we're doing it. And sometimes it feels like, is this a waste of time? Sometimes it feels like they're not getting anything out of this. Sometimes it feels like I wanna do something else. This is just a waste of time. There's no point in it. The Bible says your works shall be rewarded. What you invested into your children, it's going to be rewarded. And then it ends with this. It says, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. That's right. Your children will come back from the land of the enemy. Come on, you get something out of this today? Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I want to encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.